أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد So we continue with the chapter باب فضل قراءة القرآن The chapter with regards to the virtue of the recitation of the Quran and uh, I guess someone should ask, why is this in the book? Is it just in the book because like Riyadh al-Salihin is a book of pious stuff and this is like something pious to talk about? Or does it actually have some munasaba uh, uh, or some um, compatibility with what the reason the book was written for is? And the answer is obviously the latter. The Riyadh al-Salihin is a book of teaching the spiritual path toward toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala based on the book of Allah and the sunnah of his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And more than just being a source of knowledge of what to do in the spiritual path, the recitation of the Qur'an itself is an act of piety and itself is a, a, a weird. It is a, a litany of dhikr that a person uh, should do and must do and has to do in order for their heart to be enlightened and in order for them to progress in the path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And um, this is something we probably mentioned last week, and it's worth mentioning again and again, um, that we kind of don't take it seriously. Uh, in fact, we like really don't take it seriously. In fact, there are a lot of people who have like super amplified voices in our community. They don't know how to read Quran. Like They never bothered to learn how to read Quran. Which is fine. Uh, I'm not saying like, you know, oh, look at you. Uh, I, don't, I know how to read Quran and you don't. Ha ha. I myself was one of the people who didn't know how to read Quran until, uh, until, you know, until I was an adult. And if your mommy and daddy didn't hire a Qadi Saab to teach you, then go learn yourself. If you're an adult, go learn yourself. Um, mashallah, in North America, uh, in many places, there's a proliferation of ulama. And uh, there's a proliferation of ulama now in such a way that there wasn't when, you know, when I was in middle school or in high school or graduated from high school. And you don't need an alim or, or a, you know, someone who's really a scholar of deen in order to teach you alif, bata, tha, and tajweed. You don't need any of that. You need really somebody with a relatively simple uh, amount of, uh, of, of learning uh, and practice. Uh, just some practice, because tajweed, all the rules of tajweed in order to read adequately, and they can be transmitted in less than 10 hours of instruction. And the rest of it is just a matter of practice. Uh, people don't want to put in the time to practice because no one's going to click like or retweet or whatever, um, or, or you know, no one's going to see how awesome you are when you're sitting at home reading Quran alone, uh, except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And many of these ahadith, they, 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 have, they deal with that. So the first one we read, uh, and Sayyidatina Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, qalat, qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, alladhi yaqra'u al-Qur'ana wa huwa mahirun bihi ma'a safarat al-kiram al-barara, wal-ladhi yaqra'u al-Qur'ana wa yatata'ata'u fihi wa huwa alayhi shaqun lahu ajrani. Muttafaqun alayhi. Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she narrates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, 
the one who reads the Quran proficiently, reads it well, knows tajweed, knows how to read the letters, etc., etc., can read quickly and, and, and well, and gets a star on their chart at, at school, at COL. Um, that, that person is with, in their station, the safara. Uh, the safara, there are two meanings that, that the ulama give for them. The more obvious meaning is the one who uh, is a scribe. Safar in, in Arabic it means to travel, but it, one of the mean, meanings of safar is also a, a scroll. Uh, 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 and so the, the, the musfir is the one who, 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 writes, uh, who writes down on the scrolls. Uh, 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 musfir is also like to uh, illuminate, right? Uh, it also means to illuminate, which is something interesting. In Urdu, um, the boring way of saying ink is siyahi, the, like the black, because the ink is usually black on a white paper. The classy way of saying ink is roshanai, which means light, you know, like the, 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 the thing of light. Because the ink may be black, but the, outwardly, but the haqiqah, the reality of it is what? It's, it's illuminating. At least for, hopefully, for most people. Um, <laughs> although it's not, the power of literacy is not really being used for very good purposes uh, nowadays, but that's the idea. So that's the first meaning. The second meaning is what? Is those angels that are the ones who take the messages of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the creation. Because every angel receives wahi from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, receives revelation from Allah ta'ala. But it's according to their rank. And uh, uh, so the higher rank ones, they convey the command to the, to the, to the lower ranked ones. Uh, and the, uh, the, the, the ones who live in the heavens, they convey the command to the ones who live in the earth. Um, that that person is with the safarat al-kiram kiram is the jama' of kareem it means noble uh, uh, in this context al-barara uh, 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 al-barara is the, the, the uh, has to, it refers to bir which is uh, piety and piety means what? it doesn't mean just having a long beard and a topi piety means the one who renders everyone their, their right the one who renders everyone their right, the person who's never going to cheat anybody. That they render the right of Allah to Allah, they render the right of the Rasul Sallallahu to the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to the of the Quran to the Quran, and their parents to their parents, etc., etc. Uh, elders, youngers, everybody. No one they, they don't uh, uh, they don't stint anyone their rights. So the one who's proficient at reading the Quran, that one is with the Safaratul Kiram al Barara. Um, which is a good goal, right? Why do you think your mama makes you wake up and read Quran in the morning when you're sleepyhead? Because she wants you to be what? With the noble angelic scribes, the pious noble angelic scribes that convey the messages of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the people, right? She doesn't want you to be a, a bum, right? That's a good thing, right? Who said this? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So it's okay, you know, like, I think people have this overreaction, like there's one out of every 40 Muslims, I should really say Desis, they have like, a, you know, some sort of like recollection of their Qarisa beating them like a donkey, um, which may or may not have happened. Some people are very sensitive, mashallah, from amongst our people. Um, but, you know, even if it did happen, it doesn't mean that everybody should stop like pushing their children to learn how to read. 
you don't have to threaten your kids to like by beating them. You don't have to actually beat them. You can like yourself use your common sense and like listen in on Qari Saab's lessons when uh, you know the kids are, are are at maktab or whatever, just to make sure that nothing crazy is going on. Uh, but like you know, you should you should push your kids a little bit. There's a happy medium between letting them you know roll free like a, a pack of feral animals, uh, and on the other side like completely like chaining them up like some sort of like nightmarish Nazi experiment. There's a happy medium in the middle, like with all things. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa taala give tawfiq and make our children uh, uh, like like the safaratul kiram al barara. والذي يقرأ القرآن ويتتعتع فيه وهو عليه شاقن فشاقن له أجران. So what about that's for the one who's good at reading Quran. What about the one that's hard for him? Is it hard sometimes? Is it? Yeah. Right. So if the one the one that's good at it, that's what their reward is. Then what does it? How much less does the person who it's hard for get? Uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that the one who reads the Quran and they stutter, uh, they have a hard time saying the word. They have to say the word again two, three, four times, uh, which is definitely the case for me, uh, often, uh, that I, I can't belt it out. You know, hundred percent correct the first time. Wahu alaihi shaq and it's hard for that person to learn. That person will get two rewards. The person will get two rewards, meaning two such rewards for their recitation. Meaning they don't get less, they get more. Why? Because it's harder. And it always happens. There's always some kid who's in hifs. Whether you're memorizing the entire Quran or you're just, you know, you know, trying to memorize some short surahs or whatever, um, there's always someone who's going to cruise through it. There are, there are children who, and this is a miracle of the Quran, that, I mean, it's not every kid. But like there are children in every batch that will get to a point where they can memorize a juz like once a day. Like they get they get going and they're like last 10, 15 ajza or like they do them once a day, one juz in a day and they can burn through them. Every every hifs teacher who's been like every hifs teacher who's been teaching hifs, uh, uh, you know, for at least two, three years, they'll, they'll see at least one of them, several, no, several of them. I know people like that and I know people who've taught people like that. I suspect you may have been like that or something something close close to that, uh, uh, um, inshallah. But uh, Allah Ta'ala accept. So that, that happens. But then what happens to the other kids? The other kids, they get like dejected. They're like, oh, it's so hard. Or like, oh, I'm new to Islam. Or, oh, I wanted to start memorizing, but I'm old now. Or... I'm not so smart or whatever, and they get down and they beat themselves up. And uh, that, that, you know, you can spare yourself the heartbreak of beating yourself up. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam already gave you the bishara and the glad tidings of, of getting double the reward. So you can spare yourself the heartbreak. There was one young man who came to me and he, 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 he like almost cried. And he said, my father... You know, he says, you're a shame to the entire family. All my friends, their sons finished their hifs in such and such amount of time. And you're taking like double the amount of time. And you're so bad and you're stupid and you're an idiot and I hate you. And you're an embarrassment and a shame and whatever. And I don't want to memorize the Quran anymore. I said, I can't do anything. You know, I mean, your father is a himar, your father is a donkey. What can I do about it? You shouldn't say that. For you to say that is haram. But for me as an external party, why would someone do that to their children? I don't, I don't see why. If he had known... Right, if he had known that Allah Taala makes it easier for some people and harder for others, and the one who it's harder for, that person they'll get double the reward, then maybe he wouldn't have done that. But it's not just important to do the right thing; it's also important to do it the right way. That's why knowledge is good, because he he was you know on the brink of convincing his son to, you know, just give up altogether on Deen in general, much less on recitation of Quran. That's not a good 
consequences of putting your kid in hifs. You don't want to put your kid in hifs so that he turns out to grow up to become a monafik or atheist or whatever, right? You want to teach your kid to do hifs. Why? To be a better Muslim. Um, so this is, this is important. You know, it's important for people who go through difficulty to know that the difficulty is only sent by the one who wants to reward you for it. It's not, it's not like a, and it comes back to the thing that we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that Allah Ta'ala says, I am as my slave thinks of me. So if you have a bad opinion of Allah Ta'ala, you know, like, uh, you know, many of our Christian and Jewish brothers and sisters, they do, they feel like Allah is there to poison, uh, to punish them. I heard this from an Orthodox rabbi from his own lips, and I have no need or benefit in making this up, who said that the Torah was God's punishment uh, on, on Banu Israel. Because it has so many rules in it, it's so difficult. And if that's the way you think of it, maybe it was. Maybe, you know, if that's your opinion of Allah Ta'ala, maybe that is, the Torah is a punishment on you, and you deserve to be punished through it. Uh, but for the rest of us, that's not what our opinion is about Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Uh, Allah Ta'ala didn't send down the Qur'an so that people can be uh, wretched because of it. Rather, He sent it to people because, uh, because he, he, he loved them. And there's great khair in it. I sat, I remember when I was on my way to Mauritania, I think maybe this is, because I repeat my stories a lot. Like Rafa has like probably heard all my stories 10 times already. And so he hears it the 11th time. He's like, man, maybe I should just get some work done, you know, like for the other class or for work, you know, next week, because I heard them all. This one, I'm pretty sure I've not told any of you. I sat next to uh, 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 someone on my first time I went to Mauritania on the plane. And he seemed like a pretty sheikhly fellow. And one nice thing about Mauritania is there's like a lot of people. It's not like everybody but like it's not also difficult in a crowd of like 20 people to find someone who has like a, a really like decent amount of knowledge, uh, 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 an amount of knowledge that you would find rare in, in America. And so uh, I sat next to an old sheikh and I, you know, he, he's like, oh, where are you from? What are you doing? Where are you going? Etc. Um, now that I'm more jaded, I'd probably be like, none of your business get lost. You know, you're probably a spy or whatever, because that's what life does to you. <laughs> you become old and grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> but in those days, I was real happy to share with everybody. Uh, uh, and so I told him, yeah, I'm going to go study Dean, and I'm going to this, and I'm going to that. And he's like, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to Al-Hajj Wal-Fahfu. He's like, oh, Zahid, Zahid min al-Dunya. You know, he has nothing. He's a man who's completely done away with the dunya. And so he, he said, he, gave, he started telling me encouragement about studying knowledge, which is what people in this ummah used to do back when, like, Muslims were Muslims. Now it's like, oh, Birte, you're not going to like whatever, get married and you have to, how are you going to become a doctor if you learn how to read the Quran? And you can do both, mashallah, Allah, Chicago is a good proof that you can do both uh, if, you, if, you, if that's the, your thing. <laughs> so so he, he, he was encouraging me and one of the things he, he said, he said, don't give up if it's hard. And don't give up when you, when you have like hardships. And uh, he mentioned, because uh, in Mauritania, uh, and I've mentioned this before, that they, part of the hifs is that you have to memorize the rasam. If you can't write the rasam out, like if you write sirat al-mustaqim with, al, uh, with alif in the sirat instead of with the khanjari or whatever, that's wrong. It's not the rasam Uthmani, right? So they make you memorize the rasam as well, the orthography. So he said that, that one of the masters of rasam in his age um, the reason he became like so good at it was that he ha he was tested by his sheikh to get ijazah, so he ra wrote out the whole mushaf, only to make like a very mindless mistake in subhisma rabbik al a'la, and uh, 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 because of which his teacher failed him and made him sit through the, the lessons all the way through from the beginning again, 
And uh, obviously, a person like us, you know, people like us are like, can I just do a like a you know two year weekend alim course and then become a Molana or whatever like type attitude that we have about stuff? Um, you know, someone like that would be like, this is it, I'm done, right? But uh, I already know this, I'm going to move on. And if my teacher doesn't like it, I'm going to go to someone someone else. But he actually went through it, and just like the person who knows the city the best is the one who's gotten like really lost in it. Uh, the, the person who has to go through, uh, has to go through their lessons again with that amount of detail, then they know it like in a way that the person who passed the first time doesn't. And this is something actually, I, I attribute this also. I read very slowly in Arabic. Um, Alhamdulillah by Allah's father, I can read in English very quickly. Uh, I, you know, from school, I, I remember I'd read through things much faster than other people with a decent amount of comprehension. But Arabic, it's somewhat frustrating that I read very slowly to the point where even when we would sit in the Dora Hadith, when it would be time to read the Ibarah, I would ask for a turn. And like the Mashaykh, after like a minute or two, they would be like, okay, Hamza, you read one Hadith a day and that's it. Like, because otherwise the, the Dars will take forever if you read. And, uh, um, but what's the benefit of it? When you're reading like a machine gun, then you may skip over a lot of stuff. Whereas when you're reading slowly, you can ponder over things that you're reading. Uh, does it mean that people should intentionally be like, yeah, I'm not going to practice reading anymore so that I can be slow? No. I mean, the ideal is to combine both of them, and there are a great number of people in the Ummah that have. But uh, there's always some khair in it, the difficulty that you go through. And ultimately, Allah Ta'ala rewards you for, for not for the deed itself, but for something in your heart that brings you to that deed. Uh, and this is part of our aqidah as well, that it's impermissible to describe the deed from the taqwini, from the taqwini uh, uh, perspective. It's impermissible to describe the deed as you doing it yourself. From the tashri'i perspective, the, 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 the deed is, is more closely linked to your intention than, than it is the actual action of it. Uh, it's more closely linked to how you feel about it in your heart than, than the actual doing, it of, uh, doing of it. Because Allah Ta'ala is the one who creates all the circumstances for the doing. Many a time a person wishes to do something good and they're not able to. Or they wish to do something good and uh, it happens despite their inability to do it. Or you know, any number of permutations of, 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 of wishing to do something and it happening or not happening. Uh, so you know, it's, 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 it's important to understand that, that these things are not ends in, a, in and of themselves, but they're, they're a means. And what are they a means to? They're a means to Allah Ta'ala being pleased with you and happy with you. So Allah will be so happy with you as if you're one of the noble and pious angelic scribes if you read well. And if you don't read well, then He'll be double, double happy with you. That's, uh, that's, that's like a big deal. Uh, so we continue on Sayyidina Abi Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu ta'ala anhu. قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم مثل المؤمن الذي يقرأ القرآن مثل الأترجة ريحها طيب وطعمها طيب ومثل المؤمن الذي لا يقرأ القرآن كمثل التمرة لا ريح لها وطعمها حلو ومثل المنافق الذي يقرأ القرآن مثل الريحانة ريحها طيب وطعمها مر ومثل المنافق الذي لا يقرأ القرآن كمثل الحنظلة ليس لها ريح وطعمها مر متفق عليه سيدنا أبو موسى الأشعري رضي الله تعالى عنه he narrates he narrates that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said 
the likeness of the believer who recites the Quran is like uh, uh, like a citron. Uh, uh, it's it's uh, what you call uh, its smell is or its fragrance is pleasant and its taste is pleasant. So citron is like uh, uh, it's 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 kind of like a it's like an orange, but it's like like long and oblong. It's not like as spherical as oranges are, um, and it has a really thick rind, uh, but it can be very fragrant. This is one of the things, by the as some somewhat of a side note, um, because we have a um, like this hyper uh, hyper industrialized like agro business. So many fruits and vegetables, their actual qualities we'll never know. Most people have never tasted a tomato before because they pick all the tomatoes raw. And the actual taste of a tomato is like one of the last things that the tomato flavor is one of the last things that's imparted by the vine when the tomato is ripe. But the problem is they pick them when they're ripe. They they don't have a shelf life uh, long enough to make it to market. So you have to go to like a farmer's market to actually taste a tomato. Uh, So at any rate, the citron, uh, the reason I mentioned this is, mashallah, I come from a very different part of the Indian subcontinent as the, the gentlemen present, uh, 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 and ladies and gentlemen present in the, uh, in, in, the, in the audience, which is Punjab. So there's a place in Punjab, in, in West Punjab, called Sargoda. And Sargoda has the most amazing oranges. Um, if you, in, they're in season in the winter. These are some of my most pleasant memories of Lahore. That you sit on a charpai with a very, which is basically like a, like a a, a a bed frame with instead of a mattress, it's just like rope, interlaced rope, and you you uh, um, in a cold room with a very thick blanket, you eat those uh, small mandarin uh, uh, oranges from from Sargoda. If you open one of them, the entire room becomes fragrant. Um, my father somehow managed to order. Uh, um, order a tree from 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 Punjab to California. People may or may not know this, but the Central Valley of California was originally settled by farmers from Punjab. In the back in those days when it was illegal because they weren't legally white. Uh, 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 although I know many many Punjabi and other Desi people act very white. But khair, that's what what's his name? You know Bobby. You know Bobby in Louisiana. Bobby, he has his like whatever gubernatorial portrait. It, it, he chained himself into white man, uh, so you know it's like shoot for the stars, land on the moon. Like General Grievous is actually a machine, but like he not only wanted to be human, he wanted to be a Jedi. So you have to like really, uh, you have to really take your hat off and salute him for his gall and like you know for aiming high, even though he's just a machine. So Khair, you know Bobby, I'm sorry, buddy, you're one of us. But uh, you know, at least you you know, at least you uh, you, you you dream you, you put, catch your set your uh, your dream real high. Anyhow, so um, that 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 fruit uh, that small orange that's still there that's still there in the house. Um, if you open it, it still has that quality that the entire room will become fragrant when you peel it. And people didn't used to believe me. My father would sometimes pick. I live now. I, I don't get them anymore because we live so far away from California. Otherwise, in Seattle, they would sometimes bring like a bag up uh, uh, from the house uh, in, in L.A., the old house. And really, you open it up and the entire room becomes fragrant. I used to like save the peels and then leave them in the car. And, you know, the car gets hot from the sunlight. Uh, it's like a natural organic. It's like organic like car 
fragrance that's not going to give you cancer, like the other chemically ones, right? So this is what's meant by by what by this by this hadith that it's it's really like a beautiful thing. It's not it's not like you know you're like well I I know citrus fruits and they don't really smell that good. They smell good. You're eating the cheap like fake stuff. That's why. Um, <clears throat> The person, the likeness of the person who reads the Quran, the believer who reads the Quran is like a utruja, like a citron. Its smell is pleasant and its taste is also pleasant. That its smell is pleasant and its taste is also pleasant. And these are two spiritual qualities. Um, and the, 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 the smell is... The smell is a metaphor for how Allah Ta'ala sees you from... His, his, his place of transcendence and the ta'am the taste is what your own reality is inside that when the believer reads the Quran Allah Ta'ala loves him and he's good he's worthy of being loved and this also is connected to what we said from, from before uh, in regards to a person's a spiritual, uh, spiritual progression with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that this is something necessary. It's not just like I know how to read Quran and it's just necessary for some priestly function of like leading the prayer or whatever. It's something that's necessary for Allah ta'ala to love you. Or at any rate, it's very important for, for Allah ta'ala to love you. Uh, even though it's not the entire deen. And so Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam continues. This is the believer who doesn't doesn't recite the Quran. Uh, his uh, likeness with Allah Taala is like a date. Um, the the like a date. It uh, uh, it has no fragrance, uh, even though it's very sweet. Meaning you may be a good person. Otherwise, you may render all your legal obligations to Allah and His, his Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam to other people and whatnot. You may not necessarily be going to the hellfire or whatever, but your quality in front of Allah Taala is 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 like qualitatively inferior to the one who recites the Quran. Um, uh, the likeness of the person who the munafiq, the hypocrite or insincere person who recites the Quran. Is like the rehana. Rehana is uh, a, a, a spice, uh, sweet basil. It has no, uh, sorry, it smells really nice, and it has no, uh, sorry, its taste is bitter. It's not something that's pleasant to eat directly. Um, rather, it's like mixed with other things in order to uh, be uh, edible in any sort of, any sort of like consumable way. Um, meaning what? You may you may give off an aura of piety. But if the person is a munafiq inside, then that aura of piety is is uh, uh, is completely negated by the fact that 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 a person is is a hypocrite. They're insincere, and this is something important also to look, you know, to watch out for because there's a problem in obviously not reciting the Quran. There's a problem in reciting the Quran well also, which is what is that when people put you forward and when you recite to be heard by other people or uh, to be known or recognized by other people, then uh, uh, this, is, this becomes highly problematic. It can destroy the, the, all of the spiritual benefit that we mentioned from before um, for, for which you recite. This is why I'm not excited about Quran competitions. 
if if it's like for like little kids i'm not excited about it anyway because i believe it builds a bad habit but i can see some i can see some possible benefit for it if it's for like grown people grown men grown women people who are like you know like people who are mukallaf it's completely just a person wasting their time why because you may recite well you may practice for it you may prepare for it really well uh, but at the end of the day if you're doing it for the sake of get if for the sake of being in a competition then uh, you're destroying all of your ajr uh, if you're going to do something and Allah is not going to give you any ajr you may as well either make money from it or enjoy it because if you're just doing it you know that you're losing in the akhirah and you're losing in the dunya uh, that's just that's just like one of the worst and most horrible things that I've, I've, I've ever heard of and I've literally seen grown men weep because they didn't win a Quran competition and I'm like you really you really are you for real are you serious like what kind of joke is this this type of thing is a calamity in the ummah um, and by the way you know the, the virtues of the Quran if you want to read a little bit more in depth than the chapter in the Riyadh Salihin about it one of the best places to read is the, the foreword that uh, Qurtubi writes to his tafsir and Qurtubi was a, a refugee. He fled because he, he witnessed the fall of, of Qurtuba uh, to, the, to, the, to the Reconquista, to the Castilian uh, 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 and, uh, and northern Spanish uh, 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 Christians that, that basically end up eventually with the sanction of the Catholic Church purging the Iberian Peninsula of Jews and Muslims. But uh, um, he ends up in Egypt, and he's buried in Al Azhar al Sharif. And he writes in his, in his, uh, not in Al Azhar al Sharif. I'm sorry, in Cairo. But he writes in his, uh, uh, um, in the foreword to the to the Tafsir, um, his complete disdain and shock when he comes to Egypt and sees how they have these weird, uh, uh, these weird. Like Quran sitting majalis, where where Quran reading majalis, where people sit and they'll listen to a qari who reads, uh, who reads in a beautiful voice. But like how oftentimes those people are completely and a hundred percent heedless of deen and not interested in deen whatsoever. Uh, and that's something that that we you know people should have some sort of spiritual common sense about it. If you actually like are paying attention to the teachings of the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet you know that a man who's sitting and reciting the Quran for money. A man who's sitting in, you know, that that obviously doesn't care about, uh, you know, even basic sunan of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. How that is not what the purpose of the Quran was, and it's more of a mockery of the recitation of the Quran rather than rather than uh, uh, you know something that's sanctioned or encouraged by the Deen. And this hadith is a proof that there are people that are going to be they're going to recite from nifaq, and it will be it will be pleasant. And some of them recite really well. And don't take names because you don't know who they are. You don't know who's being sincere and who's not being sincere. Right? The, the, point, of, the, point, of, you know, the, the point of it is not necessarily to be a, a judge, jury, and executioner for other people for what's in their hearts. In fact, that's haram to do. But the idea is that if you have common sense, you, know, you may not be able to judge a specific person, but if you have common sense, someone asks you, okay, this person, we're going to be, you know, they asked for like a large amount of money before, uh, uh, before uh, before coming to recite, then you can you're you're allowed to be weary of it. You don't have to say that person asked for money; they're munafiq, But you're allowed to be weary of it, right? Is so and so a child abuser? No, inshallah, they're not. 
Okay, well, do you want to let them babysit your children? No, I thank you. I'd rather not. The former is the husn uh, having good opinion of people that, that the deen prescribes. The latter is not prescribed by anybody. There's no, there's no thawab in getting ripped off or getting burned by people. If you have a feeling that this might, you know, might not go well, then in your heart say, inshallah, you know, these are good people, inshallah, but I'm not really, I, you know, I choose, not, I choose to put my, my participation in something else, especially for things that are not obligations. So this hadith, it says that the, the person who, the hypocrite who recites the Quran is like, like a rayhana, like the sweet basil. Its smell is beautiful, but its taste is bitter. Its taste is bitter. Uh, strangely enough, when looking up the word rayhana in Arabic, in Arabic characters, some sort of like pop singer shows up in the Arabic results. Uh, and, and so what does that mean that this hadith is saying that anyway, uh, we can derive whatever conclusion you want to from that. But And uh, the likeness of the munafiq, the, the hypocrite who doesn't recite the Quran, is like the wild gourd. The wild gourd is a, 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 it's a type of melon. It looks kind of like a watermelon. Um, but it's filled with like bitter and uh, bitter uh, uh, and kind of unedible type things. It's not going to poison you, but the taste is horrible. So they like make some medicines and things like that from it. But it's not really it's not really something like useful for a regular person. And so the bitter sorry the wild gourd is used in the Bible as a uh, um, as a metaphor of like getting a raw deal, something that looks like it's good but it's completely useless. Um, Allah knows best. And Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattabi radiallahu ta'ala anhu anna nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallama qala inna allaha yarfa'u bihadha al-kitabi aqwaman wa yada'u bihi akharina rawahu muslim Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattabi radiallahu ta'ala anhu he narrates and it's very interesting that this narration comes from him from amongst the sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum he said that Allah, that the Prophet ﷺ said that indeed Allah Taala will through this Quran raise certain nations, and through this Quran He'll abase and humiliate uh, others. He'll raise certain people, and through this Quran He'll abase and He'll humiliate uh, other people. Um, and we we mentioned earlier, we we read earlier the Hadith of Rasulullah Rasulullah that the the best of you are the ones who learn the Quran and teach it to others. And uh, this is indeed is a, an honor. This is indeed an honor on those people who, who learn and teach the Quran. And, uh, you know, it's like, you know, we don't want to make it about race as in saying one group of people is better than the other. Everyone has their fadail and their virtues. And Allah Ta'ala, if He gives virtue to a certain people, it's not because of what's inside of them, but it's because of Allah's grace that He gave it to them. But by Allah's fadl, mashallah, this is something that, 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 that's a, a pride for the people of the subcontinent, mashallah, that the majority of the people in this country that are, that are busy with the work of teaching the Qur'an and the, hifl, the tahfil of the Qur'an, teaching how to read it and teaching the memorization of the Qur'an are, are the people of the Indian subcontinent. And it's not just over here, it's in the Haramein Sharifain as well.
if you go, they, 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 the halaqat that they recently revived, otherwise they were banned for such a long time in general, the halaqat, the daily halaqat, uh, in, in the Masjid of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the Masjid Al-Haram and uh, in the different, then in the different neighborhood masajid that are sponsored by the, the, the government for people who want to learn tajweed, for people who want to learn how to read, for people who want to uh, uh, memorize the Qur'an. Um, I am told that by the, by the Asatiza in Medina Munawwara that every single one in the Masjid of the Prophet Sallallahu is either from Pakistan, India, Burma, Bangladesh, uh, Nepal, uh, they're 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 all from the without exception, um, and I and I've said this before. I point out that guy looks like he's an Arab. Look, he's he's speaking Arabic really well. He's and then I'll be told go up to him and say something in Urdu, and they'll respond to you in Urdu. Uh, um, this is the fadl of Allah Taala. He gives it to whoever He wills. It's not necessarily something that we should feel that we're better than others about. Especially not me, because I didn't even memorize the Quran. Allah Taala give all of us tawfiq. But it is something. It is a blessing of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And uh, uh, if a per, if 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 our people don't use it properly and honor it and keep that keep that tradition going, then just like we were the misdaq of the first part of the hadith that Allah Taala raises certain people through this Quran, we could end up becoming the misdaq of the second part also, which is that He also bases people through it as well, the ones who abuse its, its teachings and pervert its teachings, or the ones who abandon its recitation and its teaching uh, altogether. Uh, and it really, it's, 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 it's amazing. I, I met in the Masjid of the Prophet ﷺ, one of my classmates from Jamia Madaniya in Lahore. I haven't back, been back to see my Asatiza for 10 years. I haven't seen the Madrasa for, for more than 10 years now. Um, make dua, inshallah, to open a way that I can uh, go and see them. I met a classmate of mine, and I, I asked him, "What are you on Hajj?" He says, "No, uh, I'm I'm actually uh, uh, I'm actually a year ago I got a job, what teaching the kids to memorize Quran, in in Makkah Mukarramah, uh, and uh, you know like some of these some of these guys like literally come from villages out in the middle of nowhere uh, to be called from you know some village in Punjab to literally go to the city that Rasulullah was born in to teach the children of Quran. This is a great honor." This is a great honor. If mashallah, uh, uh, I'm pretty sure like whoever is listening in Indonesia and Malaysia is not really freaking out about this. If our Arab brothers and sisters are like, who does he think he is? Do they think they're better than us? Then come, you know, bring your children and let them memorize Quran and teach it as well. And trust me, not only Desi people, the entire ummah would be happy to uh, accept your leadership in this matter as well. Uh, and there are, mashallah, many of our Arab brothers and sisters who recite really well. Uh, but the thing is this, is that like, you know, push it. If it's not important, then it's not going to become a culture. If it's not a culture, then, you know, uh, it's better to be known for you know, teaching the Quran or, or, or whatever, rather than being known for other weird things that I don't want to mention right now. Um, and Allah Ta'ala be our protection. عن سيدنا عبد الله بن عمر رضي الله تعالى عنهما عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لا حسد إلا فثنتان فثنتين عفوا رجل آتاه الله القرآن فهو يقوم به آناء الليل وآناء النهار ورجل آتاه الله مالا فهو ينفقه آناء الليل وآناء النهار متفق عليه وآناء الساعات so uh, 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 Sayyidina Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhumah he mentions that the Messenger of Allah the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that you're uh, you, you, that you could be forgiven for 
having jealousy in two cases. Jealousy, hasad generally is used to, to mean that jealousy, that, uh, that, that someone else has something good, and you wish you had it, and you wish they lost it. Here the commentators, they say that here the word hasad is used to mean ghibta, which is when someone else has something good and you wish you had it, but you don't wish ill or, or lost to that person. That if you see someone else has it, generally you should be happy with the lot that Allah gave you, uh, even though you always work for something better, but in currently in this moment you should be happy with what Allah gave you. Uh, 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 and the secret of that is وَلَا إِن شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ That if you're thankful for what you have, Allah will give you more. Uh, but you could be forgiven for, for, for uh, wanting what someone else had in two, in two uh, cases. One is a man who Allah Ta'ala gave them the Qur'an, the recitation, the understanding of it, etc. And that person stands, by, uh, stands uh, in, in its recitation by, day and by, by, by night and by day. Meaning what? That they, they read the Qur'an in tahajjud and they, they teach it uh, and they recite it by day. And this is uh, one of the things we mentioned from before that Shah, Shah Ismail Shaheed rahimahullah ta'ala uh, he wrote that the, the, the spiritual Sufic maqam of the, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, who didn't used to read awrad like people do nowadays, it can be explained by, it can be explained by their, their word that they stuck with, which is what? Reciting Quran uh, in Nafal Salat. That they used to read, it comes in the ahadith, the books of ahadith, that they used to read Nafal Salawat so long that, that they would, the taraweeh would be uh, interrupted by the Adhan of Fajr. Which means what? They were like really into it, and uh, I don't think I don't think you have to be a relatively pious person to be able to read tahajjud for an hour. I don't think so. I don't think you have to be that pious of a person to be able to do it, and it, it doesn't have to be something that's utterly horrible. First of all, you have to memorize a lot of Quran, um, which takes some time, but not a lot. Uh, and second of all, you need to know how to make du'a, uh, and that's what you do in your sajda. Uh, and third, thirdly, uh, you need to uh, be able to, uh, uh, I guess, tune out from other stuff, which involves like turning your phone off and other things like that. And that's one of the reasons that tahajjud is done in the in the in the middle of the night, because and it's done after having woken up, because your sleep will erase a lot of the other concerns and worries that you have uh, from the day. Um, but this is something a person, you know, should practice it, do it, make, make uh, i'tikaf, not the nowadays i'tikaf where like it's like social i'tikaf, like make friends, you know, for a lifetime and have wonderful experiences and no, right? You make friends on your, when you go to a party. Who said going to parties haram? As long as you're not getting drunk or whatever. So you make friends at a party. Who do you go to make friends with in i'tikaf? Allah Ta'ala. Who do you go to make friends with in the masjid? Huh? Your kids, the other kids at CUL? No, you can do that during while you're in school. When you go inside the masjid, who do you go to make friends with? Allah Ta'ala. If Allah Ta'ala is your friend better than... You have a very powerful friend, right? So, uh, uh, that's that's... That's like someone who is able to do that. It's a person should like, be like, wow, this is amazing, and uh, um, you know, like some nasiha and some advice to myself and to many of our uh, uh, brothers who, especially the ones that are in jamaat tabligh nowadays uh, uh, in America. I was once told by uh, one of the ulama from South Africa that Mulana Ilyas rahimahullah taala he gave the he gave the 
the tartib for the regular tablihi, not for the ulama and for the hufaz, for the regu- regular tablihi, that they should make khatam al Quran every seven days. So I commented to him, I said, wow man, if someone was reading that much Quran, they wouldn't really need to do such a hard sell. People would just see their face and, 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 and you know, make tawbah by, by, by seeing them. Imagine a person is making khatam Quran every week for years. It would be a different game. What's the problem? The problem is these. it's not that these things don't work, these systems that were prescribed by the ulama don't work. It's the people are not following the instructions. We're not putting in the work and then the result doesn't happen and then, you know, the one giving da'wah is like, oh, the qawm is, they're all messed up people and the qawm is like, who are these crazy people who come and tell us to pray and they're obviously like, I don't see anything about them that I want, that I find a redeeming quality that should want me to follow their guidance and whatever. Problems happen afterward. Imagine, right? Just do it, just do it like, just do it for what the heck. You know what I mean? Like, there, people do that. Like, they have reality TV shows, like someone's going to like eat McDonald's for 30 days and see what happens. You know, that type of stuff. Just like on a whim like that. Just try it. Say, I'm going to make Khatam Quran seven days. I have like a light work schedule next week or whatever. I'm going to sit down and read like four saparas and some change every day for seven days. And I'm just going to, I'm going to crank right through it, plow right through it. You wait, do it in Ramadan, you know? Uh, 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 just, just, you know, wh- why not? And see what, 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 uh, uh, what difference it makes in your life. Uh, uh, and this is the tartib of the, many of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum to the point where Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam had to stop them. He had to put the brakes on some of them, saying, "Don't make khatam the Quran in less than three days." And some people they take this as some sort of it's not a fiqhi injunction. It's not like haram to make khatam the Quran in less than three days. The reason Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam discouraged the Sahaba radiallahu anhum from making khatam the Quran in less than three days is what is that he didn't want them to breeze through it to the point where they're only focused on the spiritual side of it and not focused on the teachings. Because there's a lot there. The Quran is like a whole package of stuff that comes through, right? So imagine if a person realized like, okay, if I read such and such surah every day, I'll make like double the money that I've been making from before. And they just read that surah every day then to make them make money, right? It's good. It's not bad. You know, another person may like rob liquor stores to make money. So obviously this guy is better than the other one, right? Because it's their iman that led, it, led them to it rather than like a propensity for violence and like lack of respect for like gun and safety laws. Uh, but, but at the same time, you know, it's just that the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa didn't want them to lose the other side of it because they, after they got into the uh, habit of reciting the Quran, they saw so much of the spiritual benefit that, that, that he didn't want them to drown in that and then lose the, 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 the rest of it. Otherwise, there were Sahaba radiallahu anhum, and there were people of every, every generation who would read more than that. But you could see in those people that they were people who didn't let the other side go either. There are people who used to appreciate, uh, appreciate, uh, uh, appreciate that as well. So the next, the next hadith, I'm sorry, so the continue of the hadith, وَرَجُلًا أَعْتَاهُ اللَّهُ مَالًا And the second one is a man that you're allowed to have some envy of, is a man who Allah Ta'ala gave him great wealth, and he spends it in the path of Allah Ta'ala uh, uh, during all parts of the day and all parts of the night. Uh, uh, and this, uh, ana is like from the, the word an, Right, so it's a ayana yomul qiyama means ayu anin. It's like a, it's 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 from the same, uh, from the from the from the same word. So inshallah, read read Quran. If Allah gave you a lot of money, go to launchgood.com forward slash.
Eternal Creed and uh, donate for the book project. Barakallahu fikum. We're we're a couple of bucks shy of halfway, right? Uh, to write write this uh, Aqida project. Inshallah, uh, if, you know, you need some sort of motivation. Then know that your your kids are probably going to end up learning Aqida from it. Uh, and so, Inshallah, that that's 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 good motivation. The book will be around. Inshallah, Inshallah, books books are around for a long time. You know, it's even when you buy books for your own library. One thing is sponsoring a, a book or whatever. Go ahead and buy it. Don't be cheap about it. If you see a good book somewhere, people are like, well, I never read any of my books, so I don't know. Go ahead and buy it. The library, the books in the library will be around after you're dead. Someone may read it, and you'll get the reward for that as well. Uh, 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 but uh, inshallah, the, the the book project, inshallah, please do, uh, please do participate in it. Uh, inshallah, a person may think these things to be small, but with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they're not small. So we were talking about the, the, the spiritual manifestations of, of, of the recitation of the Qur'an. Uh, uh, it's a hadith narrated by Sayyidina Al-Bara ibn Azib radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Qala kana rajulun yaqra'u surat al-kahfi wa indahu farasun marbutun bi shatanaini fataghashathu sahabatun faja'alat tadnu wa ja'ala farasuhu ينفر منها فلما أصبح أتى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال ذلك له فقال تلك السكينة تنزلت للقرآن متفق عليه والشطن بفتح الشين المعجمة والطاء المهملة الحبل سيدنا البراء ابن عازب رضي الله تعالى عنه narrates that a man and uh, it's written in the Tuhfatul uh, Qari uh, 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 that the man is Usaid bin Hudayr. Usaid bin Hudayr was a nobleman uh, from Abdul Ashhal, which is a clan of Aus, one of the two, uh, one of the true tribes of the Ansar. Abdul Ashhal is uh, uh, is is one of the first, one of the first uh, 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 clans of the two tribes of the Ansar that. Uh, accepted Islam in great numbers. And Usaid bin Hudayr, uh, his father used to have a huge fortification in Waqim, which is one of the two, uh, on one of the two sides. The Wabra and Waqim are, are the two large lava rock tracts that, that bounds Medina from the east and the west. I forget which one Waqim is, whether it's the eastern one or the western one, but he was a, he was a great leader of Os. Um, in the generation before the Prophet ﷺ came, actually just a few years before Rasulullah ﷺ's hijra, the Aus and Khazraj had a war with each other. And there was a big battle uh, 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 called the Battle of Bu'ath, in which many of the leaders of both sides were killed. And this is the, this is, this is the, what? This is the providential hikmah of Allah Ta'ala, that like the, both like whatever warring parties of the masjid committee that are suing each other, they basically took each other out before Rasulullah came. Um, and one of the few of them that was left behind is who? Abdullah bin Ubay, who becomes the Ra'isul Munafiqeen. He was one of the few people of that generation of elders that were left. Otherwise, in the Battle of Bu'ath, most, most of them, they just ended up killing each other, uh, uh, clearing the way for Rasulullah's leadership. Um, so his father was the commander of Os in, in the Battle of Bu'ath. So he was a, 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 a very high rank. But he, the son, he was one of the first of the Ansar to accept Islam. Uh, and he actually uh, accepted Islam before Sa'ad bin Mu'adh, who was the chief of Aus, accepted it. 
who was a very close, uh, a very close uh, 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 person to uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he's the one that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said about him because he he was mortally wounded during the Khandaq, the the Ghazwa of the Khandaq, and. Uh, um, when he died, uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that the arsh shook for his death, uh, 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 that the throne in the heavens shook for his his death, um, and uh, uh, so he actually accepted Islam before him uh, in the second bayatul aqaba uh, in in Makkah Mukarramah before the Hijra. And uh, uh, he was such an important person that when the Hijra happened, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam paired people up, you know. Uh, as brothers from the Ansar and from the Muhajirin. So he was made the brother of Zayd bin Haritha, the uh, adopted, the hitherto adopted son of the Prophet So he was a very important person. So, uh, he, although he's not named in the hadith, but the commentators, they mentioned it was Usaid bin Hudayr, uh, that a man uh, was reading Surah Al-Kahf. A man was reading Surah Al-Kahf, which is a surah that it's... Uh, the Sunnah says that it, its recitation protects a person from fitna, and it's a, a, it protects a person from the Dajjal, and that it's masnoon to read on Fridays. That uh, a, a man was reading Surah Al-Kahf, um, and he had a a horse that was uh, tied up with two with two ropes. It was just you know tied to tied to tied to wherever it was, and so he was reading Surah Al-Kahf, and his horse is next to him tied up, um, and a cloud a cloud came down. And it was coming down closer and closer, and uh, 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 the horse, the horse like freaked out and tried to try to like it was kind of getting scared and 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 making noise and tried to bolt. Um, and so, uh, the, this thing happened that this cloud came down over him, uh, 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 to the point where the cloud it came down so low that it surrounded him, and the horse it was causing the horse to be agitated, um, that that. He slept on it, and then in the morning he went to the Prophet ﷺ and mentioned that this happened. And uh, Rasulullah ﷺ said that this is the sakina that comes down because of the Qur'an. Muttafaqun uh, alayh. And the word sakina is actually a word that's used in the, the Torah as well. And uh, uh, it is a, an expression that's used, I mean, sakina means literally like calm and, 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 uh, calm and, and peace. Uh, but it's used to mean the holy and sacred presence of God Himself, uh, which is not a spatial. Uh, it's not marked by some sort of spatial uh, uh, point, but there's some special tawajjuh of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that that comes uh, in, in 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 sacred places and sacred times. Uh, that's known as the sakina. That the sakina came down on Sayyidina uh, Sayyidina radiallahu anhu when he was reciting surah al-kahf and it overwhelmed his the horse was able to sense it and it overwhelmed him so this is a spiritual kafiyah this is a spiritual condition that happens to people who recite the quran uh, i'll i'll admit i've read surah al-kahf several times the sakina i don't to my knowledge never came down on me but you know if you have if you put in the time and whatever uh if your heart is present there's a lot you know, there's a lot more than just the words of the Qur'an that are coming down. And it's very interesting too, because the Qur'an itself as a reality is a, a, an uncreated sifa, a, attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The divine speech is not like the speech of human beings. The words themselves are not the Qur'an, rather the words themselves are the ones that invoke the effect of the divine speech in a, in a place uh, or, or on a person. And uh, 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 Surah Kahf itself, one of its last ayat, 
Say if the ocean was if the if the ocean was made into ink to write the words of my Lord, the ocean would have finished before the words of my Lord finished. Even if we brought another ocean like it, uh, meaning what? It is a ishara toward the 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 Quran itself being from Allah Taala's sifat, from Allah Taala's own attributes, which are in themselves transcendent and infinite. They're limitless. So the fact that you know like. You know what, like "Qulhu Allahu Ahad" means. You can translate it word for word. That's just like one thing out of like a lot of stuff going on. You know, if you knew to how to take from the recitation of the Quran, like the Sahaba radhiAllahu anhum were, you know, maybe the the Persians and the Egyptians and Syrians would show you some respect too. You know what I mean? Uh, why they knew how to take from that? They knew like a lot more of what was going on, and even them, they didn't wet their beaks in the ocean of of what's there in the Quran. Uh, and so this this hadith is a, 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 a display of what that that the Sahaba radhiyallahu anhum their experience of the Quran was something else. There was something more going on than just just like being able to say this word means this and this word means that. Even though there's a lot of khair in that, there's a lot of barakah in that that knowledge as well. Uh, but there's a lot of, there's a lot more going on. It's a lot deeper than that. Uh, inshallah, we'll stop the dars uh, here. Um, but just a reminder, uh, inshallah, again, the book project is going on. Please do help the book project. Brother Abdul Rafi and uh, Imran Qasim have been like working really hard on getting this thing off the ground, uh, the, the launch good and all of these other things, inshallah. Um, if, and I know more than half of you have already given anyway, but uh, if you could share it with your friends, make a personal call or whatever, um, this is something that, you know, this is something that I, you know, I should hope would be uh, a reason for a person's uh, a person's najat and their forgiveness inside of their grave. That you should be able to communicate uh, with some uh, with some amount of competence and intellectual robustness what the aqaid uh, of the of the ahlus sunnah are and preserve it for other people. English is like a really weird language. Like the majority of Learning materials in the English language regarding Islam are written by very heterodox groups. They're written by Qadianis and Rafid and uh, modernists or orientalists or whatever. And we live in an age where, I mean, even in the 90s, for some reason, you know, in the 90s, if someone wanted to go study deen, it meant that they were going to go to the ulama. Nowadays, uh, people, their first thing they think about when they say study deen is to go to the university, which is fine. It's not haram or whatever, but. It represents a shift in, in, in what the locus of authority is in our community. And the fact of the matter is a lot of these things, you won't find them over there. You have to have them through, transmitted through the tradition. And the reason people go to university is because they see somebody who studies the deen in the old way. That person is not going to get a job. That person is going to fight with board members. Whereas at least at the university, you'll be able to pay your rent and things like that. I'm not going to grudge anybody wanting to pay their rent. But... Um, this is these are projects that used to be done uh, on the funding of the state and in the backing of the state and, and wealthy patrons. The wealthy people don't pray five times a day anymore, and the state could give less of a damn. 
but the good thing is, mashallah, you know, because of this crowd crowdsourcing and things like that, we have other ways. Allah Ta'ala has given us other ways to to come and bring that type of that type of patronage and support. And it's really not all that much money, and we're already halfway done with it. So if the brothers and sisters could please, uh, uh, you know, spread the word, inshallah, and uh, uh, give some sort of personal appeal to whoever they know. You can read about the project, launchgood.com forward slash eternal creed. Inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give you all reward. And hopefully the, 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 the project gets funded soon, and uh, we don't have to turn Riyadh the Salihin into an NPR pledge drive. Uh, again barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu ta'ala rasulihi sayyidina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in are there any questions